where we last left our party of heroes, they were still trapped in the Twilight Eternal, a plane between planes, crafted by Anahan to hold them and others as they await the tribunal, their trial for their crimes. After a series of strange encounters that even included reuniting with their lost friend, Captain Kelmies, the party found themselves in a strange pocket dimension, above an old shack where each was separated from another, and they experienced dreamlike recreations of their own storied pasts. Now, after restful or fitful nights of sleep, as promised, 12 hours from the time that they were locked in their individual rooms, everyone hears a knock at their door. The same butler who ushered them along before speaks from just on the other side, saying to everyone respectively, My good master, it is time. Once you are ready, do see fit to come outside. I've left a parcel for you, as promised, breakfast and clean clothes. Please put them on and see yourself back downstairs to the lobby. And then each of you hear receding footsteps. Mick is going to grab his parcel, which I assume has the clean clothes, and is going to put them on quickly and step out of the dorm. Val will also dress. I think he will try to eat, but I don't think he will get very far into that meal before he abandons it and heads downstairs. Barty is going to take a long time to move. Eventually, he basically drags himself out. He grabs the parsley, doesn't even look at the dinner, and he descends downstairs. Vamak, now composed after his uh, previous breakdown, gets dressed, looks very proper, right? Makes sure everything is nice and neat. And he's going to head down as well. Brynir, who got up a little bit earlier than the 12 hours, he told himself that he didn't need it and just decided to do some, you know, body weight workout stuff. After he hears the butler, he, o- he opens the door, grabs his food, scarfs that down, dons the clothes, and realizes that the shirt isn't quite right, so he rips it a little bit to give it that nice deep V, like always. And then he'll make his way down to the lobby. And Rolandir follows suit as well. He eats a moderate size of the breakfast, dons his clothes, steps out the door, takes a quick look left and right, and if nothing's out of order, he will proceed down the stairs. You all still seem to be in the infinite hallways that you were in before, though at different intervals down the hall. No matter how long it took to get ready, get up, eat, get dressed, and walk, since a couple of you had a ways to walk, especially Val, who was in room (laughs) 1,562A. So far. As each of you descend the stairs, you do so simultaneously, though not on the same staircase. Each of these sets of stairs lead into a large octagonal chamber with flights of stairs descending, One, into this landing where the chamber is, and a large circular table is set in the middle, and then further flights heading down further into unknown. And so Rolandir, Bartholomew, Kelnies, Karagas, Brynir, Vamak, Val, and Mick all come down these stairs at the same time, appearing in this room that was definitely not a part of the shack that you were in before. Though there are no windows here, There seems to be 
a sort of ambient light coming from the shadowed ceiling above you, as if from an open skylight of sorts. And you can even hear the whistle of wind and the twitter of birds. I do want to clarify that Val looks absolutely awful. He did not sleep at all. I'll, I'll second that with Marthon. I mean, not the lack of sleep. He did sleep, but... <laughs> the looking awful? He looks like he has spent the last 40 years living in a gutter. But he's got nice, clean clothes on. <laughs> Is there anything on this table? No, it does not seem so. Then, entering into this octagonal room simultaneously with all the others, Rolandier looks around and continues walking towards the table and, you know, to those around him as he gets there, just looks at them. I assume we all had a uh, an equally unsettling evening then. Val just nods. Calnier's too doesn't say anything, but sits. After seeing the, the nod from Val, Brynir is going to address him. Val, are you going to be okay? Um... To be honest, I don't, I don't know the answer to that question. But um, to be equally honest, I don't know that I have much of a choice in the matter. You'll make it through. You're a strong lad. Does that mean something coming from you? Well, and I think it's safe to say that the next opportunity we get, we are leaving this place. I perhaps was a bit short-sighted in my desire to stay earlier. Regardless, it now seems we're once again prey to whatever whims of the being who created this place. Speaking of which, was there a butler who showed each of you to a room, or did you just find your way somewhere? There was a butler at the end of my finding my way. wonder where he went off to. Does he even exist? Perhaps not. I wouldn't guarantee anything that anything in this place is real or of true substance, but that doesn't mean that it can't have real consequences for us. Um, and So, Ryan, you said there were other staircases than the ones we had come down? Yeah, so... If you take one side of this room at the edge, your staircase is half of that length. And then there's a second staircase going down. Gotcha. Relander hasn't sat down yet, but is at the table. Do we think we should wait here then? Or should we continue going down? I believe that it's best if we continue down. There's nothing for us here. I agree. I think anything we can do to keep on moving, potentially finding our way out would be best. I do not know if there's going to be a simple way out. I feel as though if we could not get out of this plane of existence before, we will not be likely to find it on our own until after our trial. But perhaps we are not meant to escape this plane. Perhaps it is simply moving forward that we must do at this time. We should go. Then let us go. Brynir's already heading down the stairs. I assume everyone goes to the same staircase then? Yeah. That, yeah. That's Rolander's intention, yes, to follow wherever the group goes. As you go down the stairs, you know, each of you following each other in turn, you come to another small landing that then bends as the stair wraps you know, around itself and down again, as stairs tend to do, and it leads to another chamber. And though it would make sense given normal understanding and, you know, rational logic and architecture that all of these eight staircases would converge again on this floor beneath the one that you were just on, you don't see any of the others converge on this point as you come down to another floor. This one is a bit larger, rectangular in shape, and there's a bit of a garden in the middle, in fact. 
made up of small stone fences and then elaborate collections of flowers and shrubbery and small trees, even a fountain or two. And then on the very far side of the room, you see a rather large door of stone, though it contains no seam where, say, two pieces of it would hinge open or closed. But it does look like a door. Yes, it has the appearance of a door, like a great gate. Brynir tries to go through the door. Well, the door is across a large room with a garden. Oh, I'm aware. He just goes for the door. (laughs) Something bad's gonna happen in this garden. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, Brynir goes for the door. As you take a step across the stone floor, one, two, three steps, and your foot depresses slightly. Oh, great. What are you gonna do? He's probably gonna lift up his foot and back away and look at the tile that he just stepped on. Alright, do a dexterity saving throw. It's a landmine. Boom! <clears throat> Sweet. Uh, that was a nat 20. Dang! <laughs> As you go to lift your foot, you gain the inkling of sense to think maybe you shouldn't. Uh, <laughs> it's totally a landmine! <laughs> uh, Bartholomew, was this click audible to everyone? Like, would everyone around have heard this? Yeah, everyone would have heard it and seen it. Bartholomew is going to walk up and he's going to appear down. He doesn't really direct himself towards Brynir. I'm sure everyone has noticed he's had a slight change in attitude since that aspect. Um, but he's going to look at what Brynir is stepping on. If it's just like a, is it just a, a piece of tile that goes down or cobblestone or whatever? Or is there something more? Roll Arcana. As Barty is approaching, Brynir just says, uh, Barty. Be careful. I'm I'm sure you heard the sound when I stepped here. Yeah, I figured there was something wrong. All right. 28. Dang. As you examine the tile, this stone tile that has been depressed underneath Brynir's foot, you would do well to caution him not to move either, for you see an elaborate weave of runes inscribed upon it. Though not initially visible to the naked eye through your discernment, you are able to trace them, not only on this tile, but onto adjacent ones, and seemingly going off into other parts of the room, forming a grand web of traps. Upon seeing them, Barty, grumbling towards Brynir, just says, Now don't move. You probably have a couple of moments to say some prayers. You move, you're dead. You don't move. You're alive if we can figure something out. You're dead if you get too tired to stand up. So, uh, yeah, that's the situation. Can Barty see any path that could conceivably lead through these rooms? Like, is there is there any, are there any tiles, you know, kind of Indiana Jones style, Jehovah starts with an eye, that would lead him to not die? There are plenty of them that are not covered in these runic patterns, though they all are interwoven. It seems you cannot say disable one without taking down the entire ward. Hmm. Okay, okay. Also, however, lost upon you is the exact nature of what would happen, though it's obviously bad. Because what you can garner from the runes is that they are drawing from an immense source of energy. Barty, perhaps you have some good news in relation to this trap? Uh, I'm, no, no, but, uh, I can try something. 
The entire thing is just this great spider web. It's a singular ward woven over these tiles. You gave us the great pleasure of stepping on one of them. However, I shouldn't blame you too much as it's basically impossible unless you're looking for it. I think maybe Val could have seen it, but eh, no one else would have. I'm going to tell you the truth. There's a 30% chance that you're going to die in the next 10 minutes and a 90% chance you're going to die in the next 20. However, if this works, we might be able to get out. And he turns to Val and he says, Val, Val, get over here real quick. Uh, yeah, okay. I will scurry over to Barty. I'll be very careful to step exactly where he stepped. Initially, Barty kind of explains what it is, then spends a few min minutes or however long it takes. Just kind of, this is the gist of what's happening. This is the thing that's there. I don't know what it does, but it'll not be good. Got positive and negatives. And then he says, now, as much as I value the contributions of the others, I am unsure whether or not they could get us out of here. Now, I think possibly the mock could also be of assistance, but I find you have a, you have a certain delicate touch that I appreciate in wizardry. So... I'm running through a couple of ideas. In spite of himself, Val is glowing. <laughs> this is more compliment that has been paid to his magic than he has ever received in his entire life. <laughs> it's completely unintentional. Barty is still a very grumpy looking person. <laughs> that makes it even more sincere and nice. And he's just like, now I see a couple of ways. I dabble in magic, as you are aware, and do believe that if I could make it strong enough, an anti-magic potion could maybe free Brynir. We could also all run away and try to teleport Brynir off of this, using this thing. And he points to his little circlet on his head. Uh, if I could teach him how to do that, maybe he could get away. Or we could try uh, maybe a dimension door. But it's dangerous, because I don't actually know what this war does. There might be something that says... The moment magic touches it, the thing's going to blow up. So I was hoping that I could get your opinion on either ideas or on what it might do. I just, I can't seem to crack it. I'm not as familiar with the, with the specifics of intent as I am with the specifics of potion making. I understand. Well, unfortunately, I do not believe that your magic is going to work here. You, you may try, who knows, but I would suggest that you get the others across safely first. Well, excuse me, gents, I hate to interrupt here, but how about we just replace the weight of Brunier with something else upstairs? Perhaps a chair? Do we know that it is triggered by weight, or will his living presence leaving the circumference of the ward trigger something as well? Also, our friend Brunier is easily 250 pounds. The man is too... <laughs> The man is six foot five, a solid muscle. I don't think we're going to find a chair that is uh, <laughs> comparable in size. More like 320 pounds. <laughs> we find a chair made of dark matter. <laughs> no, Bartholomew is right. We need a veritable throne to replace this thing. And by this thing, I mean him. <laughs> I just a suggestion. <laughs> Carry on. I do have... Um, I don't know if it will work or not, and I don't know what will happen if I try it, but uh, this ward is powered by some sort of intense magical force, correct? It's drawing on something to do that? Yeah, I'm presumably it's drawing on something. It's it's intense. I don't know. I don't know what. Vermark Relandier, I wonder if we might be able to 
draw this essence into ourselves. Sort of like we did with, uh, well, I did not. Vermark, you succeeded in consuming some of that essence and blood. With power this great, perhaps it would be best if we were to try to absorb a little bit of it and then use that power, redirect whatever negative effect would come from this ward. I do not know that we would be able to cancel out whatever malicious intent will be released, but if we can direct it to anywhere other than Brynir, that may be our best course of action. That might all be nice and well and true, but there's also the chance that it could use Brynir as the conduit for this intentional transaction. And I think that might end poorly. Well, it's going to end poorly if we do nothing, correct? Well, as long as the bloke doesn't get tired. We're just going to leave him here standing on a stone for the rest of eternity? Regardless, you need to make it through. Now, just one additional thought to all of this. Perhaps this is merely meant as an initial deterrent that if we can proceed to the door and get that open, maybe there's a chance that this would be disarmed for whoever would pass through it to not have to entangle themselves with it again upon passing through just to I don't know quite what I'm saying but you get the idea if we we can navigate through using Barty's knowledge of where this web is and see if we can get the door open and see if that does anything now as much as I enjoy this idea just because I know where the web is does not mean the web will not catch us it is in fact a web it could very well be that all of these sigils on the ground merely tell us that the entire area is dangerous, though you are by all means welcome to take a step and risk it. I am perfectly willing to attempt. If worse comes to worse and we have two people who are stuck on stones, at least we know that is not the way to go. You could keep each other company for eternity. <laughs> Can Vamak try to examine any of these sigils and see... One, if there's any sort of like a pattern or any sort of indication that would communicate any sort of clue or idea behind uh, what the web does or how it functions. Roll Arcana. Can Val help the mock do this? Val can roll Arcana independently. Oh, okay. Oh, that's good because the mock's Arcana is not superb. <laughs> Neither really. is Val's. I actually think Barty's is higher than Val's. <laughs> I rolled a two. Seven! Okay, well, I rolled a six, so I got a nine. As both of you are examining the sigils and wards, these strange knots of runic inscription are almost intentionally convoluted. None of them seem to repeat in ways that make any logical sense on the surface. And again, discerning the intended purpose of the trap is just completely outside your grasp. Though you two are also able to reconcile the fact that it is taking power from some otherworldly source of enormous magnitude. Basically more than anything you've ever seen in your entire existence. Well, shall we try channeling this power, or do we want to try to send people beyond it first? Or some other idea that someone has not mentioned? Well, we have no magic... We have one guy whose leg is about to be blown off. We have the rest of us who will, I guess, wither for eternity behind the ward. I see no reason why not to channel it. 
and or why we shouldn't just uh, have someone else run. Those seem to be our only two options. Yes, coming back to that, tell you what, Barty, point to me at the first stone you can see past the one Brynir is on that is not explicitly a part of this web. Barty will do so. And Rolander's going to step on it. Okay, you step on it. Nothing happens. It is a stone. Barty points to the next one. And we can assume until something were to happen, Rolander's going to follow this pattern of having Barty kind of maneuver him through here until he gets to a point that he can no longer progress or maybe would see something different like the garden area. As you get uh, maybe halfway through this quote-unquote minefield, you notice a small figure in the garden itself uh, trimming one of the topiaries. This figure that Rolandir spots it has the same kind of bodily shape as Bartholomew, though is about half as tall, wearing a simple blue tunic with a little brown leather vest, gray pants, and then fuzzy leather shoes, and a nice wicker sun hat. Seeing this figure, Rolandier takes pause. Is it close enough that he believes he could perceivably call out to it and have it hear him? Yeah. Then Rolandier does so. He says... Excuse me. Hello. This figure, this little man, does not seem to register your presence. And his back is turned to you, so you can't see his face. But he's just, you know, kind of clipping these topiaries. Okay. Rolandier is going to turn his head back towards the others. There's someone in the garden. Strange figure. I'm going to see if I can keep on getting closer. Barty, could you kindly guide me on my way again? Uh, Bartholomew has to start stepping forward uh, to see and help. Having seen Rolandier do it, he's less uncomfortable about the idea. But he does actually have to progress because he's only three and a half feet tall. And he doesn't actually get a lot of view downward onto the onto the tiles moving forward. This is a very <laughs> low angle. So he will start walking out um, behind Rolandier. And upon arriving at his position, he begins to point out tiles and they're they're both following the same path roughly so he's just walking behind him saying oh you know okay two tiles to your left one up front that one then kind of gives him the the walk around though a bit tedious you can pretty quickly guide Rolandier to the border of the garden itself all right unless Rolandier is particularly impatient this means that Bartholomew is about to just charge up there and start yelling at this guy so Rolandier steps into the threshold of the garden and as soon as you do, at least your head, you kind of, it feels like you moved through some kind of invisible barrier. For inside the garden now, you hear the flowing water, you hear a little wind, there seem to be birds in the tree that you didn't notice before chirping away, and you hear this little figure whistling to himself. And as you turn back, you can even see the mouths of your party moving, though they make no noise. And Bartholomew is approaching. Yes, Bartholomew with out waiting for anything says now it's awfully rude for you not to respond to us well the the figure kind of jumps dropping his shears and turns around clutching at his chest you see he's got a little scrunched face kind of old pretty neatly trimmed white beard bushy white eyebrows he goes oh me oh my you startled me you did Yes, what startled me was the giant magical ward about 20 feet outside of your garden preventing entry and requiring us to walk here. Uh, could you please explain why my friend is about to die? Well, what are you talking about? Are you dumb, sir? Can you not see that man right there standing on one foot? 
little stone fence is taller than he is. So he moves. <laughs> he can't see him. <laughs> he moves He's into so the cute. you know line of sight of the open entrance to see the rest of your party and Brynir on the you know depressed flagstone. He's like, oh, what have you gotten and gotten yourselves into there? We were hoping you could tell us. Well, I just tend to the plants. For whom? What do you mean for whom? Not for me. It's for all of me pleasure. So you eternally tend... How long have you been here, sir? What do you mean? Well, traditionally, when you have a job, you do a job for a certain amount of time. So I'm curious how long you have been tending to these plants for your own pleasure. A certain amount of what? Time. Time. It's T-I-M-E. Oh, you can spell it all the way from here to the barn, but I don't know exactly what you're talking about. Okay, let me instruct you, sir. You see that branch you just cut off? Oh, I guess. So that you did in the past. Thus, it is something before now in time. We are talking in what could be called the present, which is the moment we are actually living. And my friend out there is about to die in the future, which is something that will happen unless we do something about it, which is what I would like to avoid. Well, I think you've gone and gone mixed things up quite a bit. And he just kind of points behind you to the, the scene outside the garden. And as both you and Rolandier turn and look around, it's an empty room, save for like some piles of ash where perhaps people used to be. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> you guys know how generally it's Rolandier who does very rash things. Oh, Barty, go all out rash. <laughs> Barty is going to very, very slowly walk up and pick up this man's shears from the ground. He he grabs them, and I'm assuming they're small, because this is barely a two-foot-tall human. <laughs> <Yes>. They're small. <laughs> <laughs> and he says to the little man, Now, this truly pains me to do, as I find myself currently in a situation where I don't like myself very much. However, I have been required by the denizens of this hellish place to relive and remember things which I did my best to put behind me. And even when I had finally taken up the courage, and all this time he's talking, he's like opening and closing and checking to see if they're sharp and doing, you know, like the running across the finger, ha, oh, still sharp. Um, to check and see if I finally mustered up the courage to just end myself instead of putting everyone I knew well, through well, this. Well, I, I don't want to stop you in your little little speech here, and it's a mighty fine one, but um, it just kind of points outside again, and you see there's no longer anything indicative that there were people once outside the garden, but then you see your party, Bartholomew and Orlandir included, come down the stairs, kind of stop, look around, and then bring your goes and steps, takes three steps, and touches the thing. And then the scene starts to play out outside the garden exactly as it did before, with everyone examining the runes, up until the point that Bartholomew starts leading Rolandir across, and a new Rolandir and Bartholomew start approaching the garden. Bartholomew says, Now that is an interesting trick, sir. Who are you? Well, I'm just the caretaker. Okay, so if you're taking care of something, you're taking care of something for someone. For whom are you taking the care of this delightful garden? Well, as I already said, this is all for me own pleasure. Okay, Bartholomew is going to go to the nearest branch that looks thick enough to chop with this, but close to the base of the plant, and he's just going to chop it. 
Oi! That could have been a nice sapling someday. You are very correct, sir. And maybe one day you will have a garden. However, your admission of the word someday makes me believe you understand why I'm a little confused about the process of time. Now, I don't enjoy destroying beautiful things, but I also don't enjoy watching... Have they already blown up again? Actually, there is a projection of Barty and Orlandier inside speaking silently to a separate image of this little man that is kind of... Because the little man hasn't really moved too much, and so it's kind of like picture in picture. So it kind of looks like Barty's attempts at using illusion. Yes. <laughs> yeah, almost. <laughs> While Barty's having this conversation, Rolander's poking around. He's like not just standing there watching. You find a garden and fountains and flowers and squirrels and birds. He, he's going to eventually work his way towards the back, towards these other entrances. So that's just happening. Oh, and you, you find another little gate, open gateway leading to the larger, you know, terminal end of the room. Okay. He's kind of just waiting there at that back, watching Barty as he does his little procession. And it's at this point that the Barty and Rolandier catch up to each other and then diverge. So you see yourself like kind of meld into your own form and then chop the branch and then walk away and put down the shears and you like grab the little man by his collar and you toss him to the ground, which isn't very hard. And the little man in your version of this is like, oh, that was quite rude. And then this projection of you leaves and starts stepping out across the pattern once more back to the group. Sir, I don't take pleasure in acting violently. And as was clearly demonstrated by my counterpart here, I can, however, should it become necessary. I would much prefer not doing anything that would cause you pain. Now, I've already had to kill this poor sapling. And they weren't guilty of nothing. So I'll tell you what. You tell me. What is going on here? And don't play dumb. You must know something. You've been here for long enough to have an idea. And I will leave here with my friend, hopefully with all my friends, and we can all move on and grow happy together. And you can continue caring for your things for your own pleasure. I can't fault a man for wanting his own personal growth. Well, sir, I'd quite like to. Um, but you see, I, I don't quite know how to help you. I, I'm not sure the predicament you're in, then. I've never ventured outside these walls, and ever. I tend to meet trees. I water them. I trim them when they need trimming. It's at this point that a third Bartholomew and Rolandier have reached the garden and begin the same series of events. Bartholomew says, Very well, sir, then. I am thankful for your assistance. And he's going to walk in the direction of Rolandier, though he is going to continue holding on to the shears. I'm sir... Could I have those back? Me work wasn't quite nearly done. Uh, maybe later. I wouldn't want you to run out of time. On what? No response. It's at this point that a fourth and fifth Bartholomew and Rolandier have entered the garden. As well as of a mock. <laughs> of a mock has come. Glancing outside, it's just an absolute visual overload. As dozens upon dozens of projections of your party shift and phase through and in and out of one another, moving around the room outside the garden as more and more of you enter the garden proper. Outside, in the we'll call it the prime reality, you only see Bartholomew and Rolandier and this little man figure inside the garden, though you cannot hear them, and it's clear they cannot hear you after they step through the threshold. And so, kind of rewinding to that point, once Bartholomew and Rolandier enter, what is everyone else up to? 
Vamok's gonna keep seeing if he can decipher any more about the this web. Uh, see if he can figure out what any of these runes mean. Again, looking to see if there's anything that clues him into what this whole thing is all about and what it does. Choose Investigation or Arcana. Nice. I have the same modifier for both. <laughs> can Val investigate? Yeah. Okay. Okay, Vermont got 11. <laughs> Natural 20 for Val for a total of 30. Okay. With both Val and Vamok's prowess at deciphering, investigating, and such, this is obviously a defense mechanism for something inhuman. It is not built to respond to your physical forms at all. And so that kind of might suggest that nothing would happen should Brynir lift up his foot. But it could also be catastrophic, since it's geared towards something much more powerful than yourselves. And that's what a nat 20 gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing else to learn here. This is some sort of defense against something much greater than us, much more powerful. Well, we do not know if it will do anything to Brynir or if it will unleash great power and kill him. Perhaps there are other questions we can be asking, such as, what does this guard? What would be so valuable that it would need to be protected with such immense power? Well, not only that, but how did we just manage to stumble into it? I do not believe that this was chance that we came here. We were all led to the same room, and together we departed. And that man, the butler, he must have known it was a distinct possibility that we would come here. So now the question is why. I believe if we can discover why we were led here, then perhaps we may discover how to traverse this and how to get out of this predicament. It was a possibility, yes, but one in eight chance that we would have chosen this stairway. Perhaps we are in just some sort of house of torture and horrors like we have been since we got here. We are awaiting tribunal. We are not escaping. I have no doubts as this was intentional in some fashion. Well, could one of you guide me across? I'm sick of just standing here. I want to know what's going on in that garden. Very well. I will go with you. I remember the way. So then Kelnies and Vamok will begin their way toward the garden. Inside the garden, things are becoming a little more crowded. Versions <laughs> of Mick, Val, Kelnies, Cad, and Vamok have all you know, started roaming about. There are about four bodies of the little man strewn about in you know bloody heaps. There are instances where you have all killed each other. Though there is not one yet that has gone out the other side. Is there any instance where Brynir comes through? No. Brynir does not seem to appear in the garden at all. Though there are about, let's say, there's like 16 copies of the little man. About 16 of Rolandir and Bartholomew. There's like 4 of Mick. 8 of Val. 9 of Vamok. And about 6 of Kelnias and Cad. But none of Brynir. 
And outside, there's, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens now just in this huge mess. And there's even some, like, eldritch tentacle being that one version of yourself seemed to be fighting. (laughs) Okay, idea. What if this is the thing that the ward does? It, like, creates this infinite pocket dimension loop where if you trigger it, you can't get past it. Who knows? But in this prime reality now... Prime Kelniace and Prime Vamok step into the garden. And for Barty and Rolandir, they look different to you from everyone else. Like, you can tell that they are... The real ones. From you. Well, real to you. And as they arrive, Vamok and Kelniace are suddenly subjected to visions of all these realities catching up to their present points. Traver- like happening in mere seconds before their eyes just blurs as everything converges finally into this present time that they share with all these different versions. And Kalnius is just like, Veil and a half, what is... And then she meets eyes with Rolandier across the garden and rushes over. What is going on in here? What's going on out there? Just as she is arriving, Bartholomew is actually on the other side of the garden and he's going to stick his head only his head out of this invisible wall where it should be to barrier off this from the rest of the world as you move your head through this kind of invisible film that separates this end of the garden from the terminal end of the room you see the same sight however a man appears his armor you know half donned as he sits on a small stool sharpening one side of a very large sword and you don't hear anything from behind you. And if you kept your head outside the garden and looked behind you, you wouldn't see anything. Interesting. Immediately, Barty is going to do a quick confirmation check. Pull his head back in. Is he still fine? Yes. And in fact, you see uh, at that point a full contingent of your party, barring Brynir, walk right through you and through this threshold, disappearing. Seeing Barty pull his head back in, Rolander kind of addressing Kelnaeus. Just one minute. It's a bit of a mess here, as you can clearly see. What did you see, Barty? Did anything happen? Nah, it seemed to work out pretty well, but uh, I gotta go talk to someone. And he's gonna stick his head back out again. And he's going to look at the man. Is this the man with the giant sword still there? Not only is the man with the giant sword still there, but you see the group that went through. Or rather, their remains. Upon looking at the dead remains in a slowly slightly ghostly type of a thing he's going to say uh excuse me sir would you be waiting for anyone the man stops his sharpening and looks up at you with cold black eyes stares for just half a moment kind of gives a gruff snort shakes his head and gets right back to it barty is going to pull his head back in turn to Rolandier. I guess Kelnius is there as well. So he's going to say, well, I see that we are growing in number. Now, there is a large man with a large sword right outside this door. There also happens to be the ghostly remains of everyone. And I'm going to guess that as we are currently only equipped with this, holds up the tiny, tiny shears, uh, and this would barely be a toothpick to that young lad, that we aren't going to make well in a fight. So does anyone have any idea on how to get him uh, to calm down? At this point, a group of Rolandir, Barty, Vamok, and Mick step through the threshold and disappear. No, 
this is only conjecture, but we do know that this web, these runes, are there to protect from something very powerful. Perhaps if we were to lure this being here and have him trigger the trap. Was Benir able to get free of it then? No. We do not know what would happen if he were to lift his feet. Perhaps he would die, perhaps nothing. It is possible that it would not respond to him, only to the oh, one... excuse me. Excuse me. Vamok feels a small prod on his calf. And Vamok turns around, and upon seeing this little guy, he crouches down. He goes into, like, a really, like, as low of a squat as he can, and he says, And who are you? Well, I... It's not important now, and I couldn't help but overhear your conversation. Not a lot of uh, other things to occupy you here. By the way, the little man doesn't seem to notice the infinite copies, you know, kind of building up both out and inside the garden. But, um, you're wrong in your assumption. And what assumption was that? Well, that there's something to be protected, or that someone's uh, to, it's meant to keep someone out. That's not the case. Would you be willing to then share with me? What knowledge you can. I assume you're speaking about outside. Yes. Which, I'll just say, somewhere I don't think I'd ever go. It's not a smart choice. But, you're wrong. I don't know why or how, but I know that you're wrong. So then, if our companion were to move, nothing would happen? Assuredly not. Hmm. Interesting. It's at this point that you start to see groups of your party coming through with Brynir. Vamok is then going to leave the garden the way he came in. And as he does so, he just stands there right outside the garden. He says, Brynir, there is one in here who says that nothing will happen to you if you move. And who might that be? A very, very small man. He did not give me a name. But he seemed sure that whatever we think this web is, it is not that. As this conversation happens outside the garden, inside the garden, Barty, Rolandier, and Kelniace observe that the mass of their party, duplicates, projections, however you want to call them, outside the garden has started to thin, and the bulk of them now resides in the garden, and they are steadily moving through the threshold on the terminal end. And can we see anything once they pass through or again? Or Nope, they just disappear. And, uh, you know, Vamok doesn't see anyone because he's outside the garden. Very well. We don't have much of any other kind of explanation. But first, Mick, Val, go to the garden. I, I would like to help if I can. I can guide him across. Don't worry. Uh, Val will give Brynir sort of a long-suffering look and <laughs> go across if, if Mick will join him with Mick. Mick will join Val and before doing so will say to Brynir, Suit yourself! And goes to follow Val. By the time Mick and Val enter the threshold of the garden, there are only a handful of duplicates still on the side you just came from. There's about two dozen projections of yourself inside the garden and about 18 corpses. Val takes all of this in and, like, does not bat an eyelash. She's just like, yeah, okay, this is my life now. And this is, this number of projections is 
dwindling at a quickening pace as more and more of them convene and then head through the threshold, unaware of you or seemingly the other projections. Back outside the garden, it's just Brynjir, Vamok, and Cad. Kaidegast, perhaps you should go as well. No. <laughs> I'll be honest. If something does go wrong and some massive form of intent is thrown up at us, I'm the only chance you have of redirecting it. I won't argue there. Vamacht, maybe it's best you go back into the garden. Suit yourself. And Vamacht heads in. <laughs> <laughs> he fades back in. As Vamacht enters the garden, there's uh, 19 corpses as another Bartholomew has been killed. And the last of the projections, which is a bloodied Rolandir holding a bloodied Mick, kind of shuffle through the terminal gate. And it is now only your party left inside, not including the little man, who is still alive and has just been kind of twiddling his thumbs. Not asking for his shears back, but uh, seems kind of purposeless without him. Outside then, Brynir and Cad. Well, go on. At this point, Brynir would like to try to go into rage. Okay, you enrage. As that happens, Brynir prepares to step off and... As soon as he steps off, he prepares to kind of stand ready to try to block any damage that might come to Katagast's way, and he takes his foot off. Both of you stumble a bit as an unseen force kind of racks your bodies, just for a second, but then nothing more. Both of you are a little queasy, dizzy, shake your heads and compose yourselves. Cad brushes himself off and says, I think it's safe to cross, but... I think we also got very, very lucky. We're not connected to the intent of Egadon here. But if we were, we would have just been sucked dry. Yes. Mm. I don't know what that would quite feel like, but you are right. We are very lucky. Good. Still, let's be careful getting across. As Cad leads Brynir and himself into the garden. <laughs> 